Hello, my name is Giancarlo and welcome to the Creative Gap Podcast. This show is meant to guide creatives, filmmakers, entrepreneurs, designers, artists. We are going to be talking about all things related to craft, passion, ownership, self-employment, physical, mental health, and a bunch of other things too. So hopefully you enjoy Hey everybody, welcome back to the Creative Gap Podcast. Thank you to everyone who continues to listen and support the podcast. It really means a lot to me. I hope to continue to bring on guests that inspire, educate, and share their experiences with all of us in hopes to make us all better in whatever field we are doing. Today is no exception at all. I am very excited today to bring on today's guest. He is a role model to me. This man is one of the best gaffers that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. I would also go as far in saying that, without a doubt, he is probably one of Philly's most sought-after gaffers, not only because of the skill and knowledge he provides, but also the kind of human being he is. Um, Whenever I'm on set with him, I truly, truly love it. And uh, yeah, everyone just wants to be around this guy. So I'm pleased to welcome Mr. Pedro Cuniera. Welcome. Very much. Wow, dude, what what an intro. Yeah, dude, you deserve it. You're... You're one of my favorites for sure. I really love working with you. Any opportunity that I really, I can, I, I love it. But, you know, I truly enjoy working with you. It's a fun collaborative, you know, process. Whenever we're on set together, which is nice. And thank you. Enjoy um, someone you can have fun with. A hundred percent. Yeah. We always laugh. And uh, especially when we have the headsets on, it's always a fun time. <laughs> um, but the first thing I usually like to do is just kind of give people a little background. So can you kind of just tell me about yourself, where you came from and kind of how you started to find this passion? Yeah. Um, I'm from the Dominican Republic, but I grew up in Philly. And uh, I guess like in uh, high school, I started messing around with cameras. My mom got me those little high cameras had like a big screen and you kind of like move to one side. It's really funny. I don't know if you see anything like that anymore. Boy, I, I don't think I have. <laughs> I mean, I have, but I don't, I, I didn't grow up in that time to be even use that. Yeah, no, it was weird, but um, it was funny. I got to, you know, mess around or bring it out and videotape my friends. And uh, after high school, I kind of uh, just uh, didn't know what to do. I didn't want to go to college, but I did. I ended up going to St. Joe's and I flunked my way through <laughs> going for like marketing and things that, just weren't me. I, I was never good in school, sitting down and learning that way. So I took some time off, uh, kind of hang on with family for a while and worked. And one day, one day I decided um, to go to the Art Institute and just sign up because I'm like, this is what I want. I think this is what I want to do. And I did a two-year program there. It was really hands-on. I learned a lot. Um, I feel like I kind of hit the ground running when I came into the, the business. So I was able, you know, this, I knew how to set up some things. I was yeah. totally green, which was cool. And uh, I got my start really kind of like just PAing. Uh, I remember I, my, uh, my wife at the time, we were kind of just friends. She worked at Center City Film and Video and she really got, gave me an in with those guys there. And they kind of like took me under a wing and taught me how to, you know, do audio uh, on set, uh, kind of light, uh, shoot a little more, you know. So they gave me a little, my step into the industry to like come freelance world. And from there, I started making a lot of connections. And luckily by word of mouth, it took, took some time. 
And during those times when I was still starting, I was uh, waiting tables, working as a bar back, you know, trying to do whatever I could to make ends meet. And over time, you know, took some uh, opportunities to do some, you know, in the indie stuff and just, you know, work for no pay, but just try to learn and make connections. And I don't know, since then I've been just moving up little by little yep. more. Amazing. Uh, so you said you came from the Dominican. What age did you come uh, here to Philly? I was seven years old. I think it was like winter of 1991 or something like that. Mm. Was there a specific reason why you guys moved here? Yeah, my mom, my company wanted to give us a better opportunity in life, you know, just, uh, which, I mean, you can do it over there, but for, she didn't see it. Yeah. And uh, we had family already here in the U.S., so we, she came over and been here ever since. So you said you, you picked up the high camera when you were younger. Did your family have any background in like film or photography art at all? Like how did this, how did that come to be? Uh, I don't know. My mom was a very artistic person. She used to do a lot of like uh, artistic things with sewing and draw and like, uh, I don't want to say painting, but she was always like in those realms. She actually, she, I think she's like the artistic person I got, might've got some things from. She actually uh, did a background work on the movie Havana in the Dominican Republic. Oh, wow. So, like, I don't know, movies, I'm like, that was just part of life. And you used to always, movies were a big thing for me. I used to love music videos. I grew up in the 90s uh, when, like, hip-hop music videos were freaking amazing. Yeah. So, I, I love that, and I wanted to be part of that somehow. But I never knew how to get there. Or, like, what uh, the road would be. When you went to college, was that kind of, like, a decision from your parents? Did they want you to go to college? Like... And then you went to the film program. Were they supportive of that decision as well? Yeah, you know, so like I said before, like I went to college to St. Joe's University because I was pushed to. It was like, if you're not going to school, you're going to be a loser or something. That was uh, the mindset my family had. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I flunked out and started fucking up. <laughs> so and I actually, when I guess when they saw that, I was taking initiative and actually went to the film program i think you know they were happy with that yeah mm -hmm. and going somewhere definitely i think i can relate to that in a way too because i went to school for a year and a half uh, i went to college and i did not want to go at all i went for music production but i went because my mom kind of forced me to go um similar mindset um if you don't go to college what are you going to do with your life type of thing um and once i dropped out of school and started to pursue this it was a really hard battle with her because she didn't see it for a while. I kind of had to like prove myself to her that what I'm trying to pursue is actually something that I'm passionate about and I can make something out of it in a way. Um, so I can kind of relate to that. Did you almost have to like kind of prove yourself to them a little bit about what you wanted to do? Yeah. You know, it takes a while to see something like this, especially in our industry, which is so different from everything else. Yeah. It's like, you know, I don't get regular paychecks. I don't go to work every day. So like, you know, if she's even now, if she's a, she sees me that, that I'm home for two days, like, she's like okay. Do you, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm good. It's fine. The things are coming along, but that's just the way yeah. we are. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it took the, my, my mom, especially a while to figure out, you know, that I was going to be okay. Uh, With, yeah. My mom still calls me too sometimes. She's like, hey, how's work? I'm like, it's okay. I've been home for a little bit, and, but I'm good. I'm good. Yes. It's, uh, it's funny. But, um, so you started to kind of work, you did a couple different jobs, you were, did some audio stuff, you did just get in the field pretty much. Was there like 
a specific moment where you're like, oh, I think lighting is the passion or I wanted to do this? Like, where did you kind of navigate yourself within the different fields? Um, and I think after a while, like I, for a while, I thought that I wanted um, work behind cameras be mm-hmm. or something like that. But I realized that like I didn't have that mindset, uh, the patience in that sense. I needed to be up, moving, moving on to the next set, lighting, pre-lighting. There's, we just move around in a different way. And, um, you know, I, I, I liked audio, I liked cameras, stuff like that, but uh, it just wasn't me. And then, like, you know, I started working on bigger sets with uh, the older uh, gaffers, who some of them are retired now. And I really enjoyed the way they, they work. And I saw, you know, like, you know, how they had to control over the set and were able to, you know, set things up and, you know, talk to their guys and get the plans going. I was like, man, that's really cool. And like, I was amazed yeah. and they brought out like the big guns, like the big maxi brutes are out and we got 20 Ks bouncing and I'm like, I already know how to use that and all that stuff. And that really excited <laughs> me. Well, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm always so fascinated by G&E and just their, your guys' work ethic, your guys' just ability to make things happen. Like without G&E, nothing gets done at all. Um, so you guys deserve so much credit and, um, I, I guess the next question I want to ask is like, were there specific people that like kind of guided you through this process? Like, did you have mentors as you were coming up and like specific people that like showed you the ropes in a way? Yeah. I, I looked up to, uh, a lot of different guys, uh, especially like the older gaffers who had, you know, had decades over me. Um, yeah. uh, I remember Scaffer Emmett Reese, I looked up to a lot. He worked under him for a good bit. And there's other guys who are still working, like um, John Garage and uh, other guys like uh, Guy Vergolini I worked with. It's just the old Philly guys. He's been in it forever. Um, well, so I'm trying to think. Those were like some of like, the gaffers. And then I, I got in with, um, because my wife's from Pennsylvania, I kind of have a bit of connection there. And I got in with this uh, amazing photographer, Bill uh, Simone. He was just fucking amazing. Yeah, he was good. Were you lighting for him? I was lighting for him. So oh, wow. he had gotten a, a red package and he also yeah. bought out uh, an old grip company. So this is a photographer with a red package and wow. all this grip and lighting. And uh, we got connected by a makeup artist that he worked with and I worked with everyone. So wow, she was really sweet. And I kind of came in and started just like learning for him and trying to help him out. Cause like I knew more of the video film side uh-huh. and you know, he just knew how to light anything. doesn't matter what you give him a sheet and some kind of whatever thing he light and he will make it look beautiful. Yeah. And I started learning from him and kind of, you know, helping out and trying to make their setup work a little better for film. Cause they were getting into commercials and stuff like that. And under bill, I just like try to soak up as much as I could. Like use his unique style of like um, how he would approach sets. Cause like when you're lighting photography and film, it's like, it's not that huge of a difference. I mean, yeah. after you compose, you have it there. The composition uh-huh. starts bringing the light in. That's what it was. And they just use different, you know, fixtures. And um, I don't know, he just had just such an amazing style that I, I always try to emulate whenever I try to, when I'm all set, mm. you know, if I have power to light. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so you're you're doing like a bunch of these different jobs and at the same time, you're still kind of doing like bar backing work and some stuff to pay the bills and all that. When when did you take that leap and kind of commit to it full time? And like, was that a hard decision for you? Do you remember that moment when you were like, I think it's time to commit? Yeah, no, I remember because like, uh, I think the, um, like the, 
the waiter job, they were getting tired of me uh, calling out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the bar back into like, you know, be like, hey, man, I can't make it today. And like, I didn't care. It was a yeah. shitty thing. You know, mm -hmm. I will always cover myself. I really tried to, but like, you know, this was my passion. I wanted to make it in this. So I remember, you know, it was like uh, maybe around 2000, I started sort of work in 2007. So maybe around 2009, that's when I started, 2000, going to 2010 is when I started getting busier and I knew that I could support myself with this. Uh, yeah, luckily my, my wife and I got married in 2010, but uh, her being a producer in salary in the industry was because of that we were had some kind of stability where I was able to, yeah. you know, at least hop on different jobs or even if there were very low paying so I can learn and get some more experience. Mm. That's super important. I'm kind of in that ballpark now, even though I'm, I've been full-time in this freelance world for a couple of years now, my fiance is a salaried person. So she does offer that sort of safety net in the background yeah. kind of there. And that's, that's a, it's a nice thing to have. That's and also insurance too. Yeah. She has insurance. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's so important because I mean, it's, it's a very hard industry to break into, especially when you mm -hmm. have someone to help you out like that. I mean, sometimes I understand why some people, you know, live at home for so long when they're in their industry, because you need that because you're not working every yeah. day. Sometimes I remember like I would go two, three weeks without work. It's just like that was during like, you know, the financial crisis had just happened in 2008, 2009, whatever. So like, there seemed to have been a lot less work, especially for a new guy trying to break, you know, break in. Yeah. I'm to be to totally transparent. I still struggle with this stuff like all the time. Like there's times where I don't work for like three weeks at all and it's brutal. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's so hard, but it is like when you do get the opportunity to be on set, it's like, it's like a fantasy. I, I just love being on set. It's one of my favorite places to be. And um, I know that, I'm still like a new kid in the town. I, I totally understand that. And I know that my time will come eventually, but getting through those like rough, those slow patches is, it's tough. It's, um, and uh, I remember yeah. it's one of those things that I remember Bill always told me, it's a feast or famine. That's uh, what it is. Like, you know, you take all the jobs you can when they're available. And uh, sadly you have to just be okay with not working. Sometimes it's like, it's not that people don't want to work with you. It's like the, the freelancer depression you we get when we're, we're not. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's not, they yeah. don't want to work with you. Sometimes it's like they, whatever small jobs are already booked up or it's like, there's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. And then, you know. Exactly. You might get calls, three calls for the same day. You're like, I can these well. Yeah. So th that's, that's the thing. It's like, I'll get no calls for three weeks and then one day, three jobs in one day, all booking the same day. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it happens. It's like, or something like that. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, there's some weird stuff going on, but um, I'm curious about your perspective on the lifestyle of a gaffer, because a lot of people coming up in the film industry, they feel like have the idea of, oh, I want to be a director. I want to be a writer. I want to be a DP. Like, I feel like that is a, a lot of people's motives because it's like, what's, what's hourly there? Like people just show that more often. They don't really see the gaffer side, the key grip side. What is the lifestyle of a gaffer look like? And how could you make that like, a really, really great career because it is a great career. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say gaffer because like I, I, I do gaff, I gaff a lot. I don't, uh -huh. but I, you know, there's a best job or it's a key grip or uh -huh. when I need to available, the pay is good yeah. and I can do it. Like I'll, I'll hop on it. I like being able to, you know, just be open to whatever's out there. Um, 
but when I, you know, now that I do gaff a lot, it's, um, it's interesting because, you know, you, uh, you're doing more than just showing up on set. You're, uh, talking to the DP and the producer beforehand, getting, you know, gear list ready, uh, trying to schedule scouts to see if you're available. You know, if you're not available, try, who can I go for you? Can I get my best on it? Would that work for you guys? Type of things. Um, there's a lot more juggling, a lot more pre-production. Yeah. Um, and um, one of the good things too is a lot of times you can you know, help uh, decide what fixtures are on the shoot and I'm, if I can get my gear on it too, which obviously gives me a boosted income, which is really great. But sometimes mm -hmm. it don't work very often. If I can maximize the amount of money I can make in one job, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, so that's something I was actually going to talk to you about a little bit later, but you brought it up now, investments and like gear uh, finances and stuff. Like how important is investing in gear for you and like understanding finances and all the different things that go along with that? Because like you said, when you're not working, you kind of want to make your equipment work for you and make money when you're sitting at home. Everyone. So like how did that, how did you learn that and how important is that for you? Dude, it's so important and it took me so long to learn. I have a hard time learning things where I have to mm -hmm. do them a million times before I can like, it can be just a second nature thing. Um, I remember when I first started my first item I had was a airy, uh, Thompson kit, you know, my 150, 300, 60, yeah. whatever. And I, but, um, it's so important because I don't understand investments like stocks. I know things like, you know, your step IRA, things like that, that you just put money in where you don't think about it. Mm -hmm. But the, the one thing that I understand now better is me, my business and rentals. To a certain degree, we're late. I know that I know what uh, lights people want to rent, which are useful for, you know, the kind of work I do <laughs> and what I can get working or have work for me if I'm not around, which is <laughs> so important because again, we don't work all the time. So I know yeah. that I have uh, lights at the local rip house that will go and shoot through the month without me. That's awesome. It's a great investment, which I know you know, how to use, how to work and how to get them working. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And how did you start building relationships with these rental houses to be able to provide, like put your gear in their rental house? Like what kind of deal does that look like? Um, uh, like a local, one local rental house that I work with a lot at Expressway and they're really awesome people. And um, one of the guys there, uh, John Baumgartner, he's, he's a really great guy who's you know, just always looking out to help and work with everybody because, you know, they're a big rent rental house, but they don't have everything. Yeah. And, you know, I, me getting my gear there with them definitely can only benefit me, me. especially because I have some bigger fixtures, which like, I don't want to be moving around my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need some space for it. And they, they also take care of it. I, uh, I sublet some gear too with them, but, um, yeah, I mean, they take care of everything. Like the percentage split is, it's decent. It's pretty good. Um, and you don't have to work. And their network is big too, compared to like, if it was just you renting it out, yeah. your network would be a little bit smaller compared to this huge rental house. So you have way more opportunity. Definitely. And I would have to do a lot more work, you know, pushing the gear and, you know, I'm like, I don't know, there'll be advertising. Where would I advertise this? And, you know, other than like talking to producers and DPs, you know, when I'm bothering them, like, hey man, you should use that look. Hey, you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, it's set up, it's in their, um, it's in their list of gear. You can look on their website and 
when you talk to them, if it's a fixture that will benefit the production, they'll usually say like, hey, we also had this, this, and that, like, which it might be easier for you. If you don't want to rent a generator, you can have this light, which gives you more power without having to, you know, spend the extra money. So, uh, yeah, no, that's really smart. Um, I know we've talked about invest like gear stuff before, and I think the route that I really want to go as a DP is getting like a really solid camera package. And I, I just invested in it. Um, I just bought a Sony Venice. So I finally have like a really solid package that I could offer. Yep. Um, cause before, I mean, I still do. I own a half ton Genie van, um, with some small grip stuff, some small lighting stuff. That's good for like interviews and stuff like that, which is great. But um, for me, I think the camera side is more important because um, if I'm on a big job, I don't want to have to deal with the lighting stuff. I'd rather give you or whoever else that has the gear, the rentals, like this is your path. That's your business. And um, yeah, I think it's really smart what you're doing with the lighting stuff. Man, I appreciate that too. Because like on any job, you know, if I have my best or my grip or whatever, like they were like, hey guys, what do you guys have? And let's mm -hmm. all make money together. Exactly. We'll be all be yeah. here, right? That's, that's the thing is like, how can we each, how can we all make more money <laughs> and support each other that way? Yeah. I love that. Um, how I, I'm always curious about like, because you get to work with so many different DPs. I never do. Um, I never get to see how other DPs work, which is like a weird thing. I feel sometimes it's a, I can get very, uh, I could have blinders on because I don't get to experience how other DPs work per se. So I guess from your experience, like if you're working with a DP, what are some things that you look for in a DP and like in terms of communication, in terms of prep, like what are some really good things that you look for? Uh, communication, that's like the best first thing, you know, yeah. we can be uh, on the same page on what he wants, what the director wants and how we can achieve, you know, whatever the goal is for that day. Um, it's funny, yeah, I work with a lot of DPs and everybody has their own style. Some guys like know what fixtures they want and how they want them set up. Other guys are just like, hey, I just want soft light here. I want a little hard uh, here and they let me go out however I like. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just all about communications and how they want to work. And I'm going to do my best to help them achieve what they want to get. Fact, Which do you prefer? <laughs> do you prefer DPs that know what they want specifically? Or do you prefer the latter, like the other version where they're like, oh, I just want soft light. Give me like an edge. Here. Like, which, where do you lean? I think... Does it matter to me as much? You know, it's fun being able to light things on my own, but also yeah. it's like, if you know what you want, let's just do this. And mm. we can, things will move, might move a little faster or I, I to a certain, it doesn't matter to me as much. It, I think they both can be great. Cause I'm always going to be like, you know, even the person knows what they want to be like, Hey, what do you think if we little, add a little bounce here? Mm. We should like wrap the light a little more. I'm going to ask just to see if they want, just ask yep. their opinion. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. No, it's cool. I'm going to keep moving to next. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I guess opposite of that, what, what don't you like about certain or working with DPs? Like what are things that DPs do that maybe you don't like in particular? I know that's a weird question to ask, but like, I'm sure there's things that like I've done or other DPs have done that, you know, aren't the best or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I don't know. How can we, how can we approve, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, really. Yeah. Um, and th maybe this is a selfish question because I, I'm always looking to improve. So like, what are ways that I can improve to better work with you or gaffers, for example? That's why we just worked on the job recently and mm -hmm. uh, I really like what we did because you, you know exactly what you wanted. Uh, we had the setups and everything went off pretty easy. Um, 
I think the thing is for certain DPs, uh, just like kind of rating in their directors and like, uh, I'm not thinking about the overall and where we are, like, is this the best place to shoot this? You know, but, um, the, the only other thing I have with certain DPs is like, uh, the guys who come up through the AC world compared to like the GE world, uh, the GE world guys have a better understanding of how much time things take. Yeah. And, uh, that's what it is just giving your crew time to do what they're supposed to do because, you know, I'm going to get things done for you. But I don't need you telling me, hey, I got 10 minutes to just keep this moving. That's not cool. Uh, yeah. Take time to okay. do, do them safely. Uh, definitely. I, I've come to learn that I'm always a big, uh, I always push for like the beginning of the day. If the producer's like, hey, we only have an hour for load in and set up. And I'm like, well, can we get two hours for that? Because it's going to make the whole rest of the day that much smoother. Like, there's like that beginning part of the day where there's like little quirks and little things that happen no matter what. There's always something that goes wrong in the morning mm -hmm. somewhere. Um, so I'm always a big proponent on giving everyone like an extra half hour or an hour of additional time in the morning. Because um, I found that it helps morale a little bit. It helps people kind of wake up a little bit and yep. get those kinks out in the morning. Yep. Um, well, but that's something that I've done. Yeah, no, and it's great to have that. But there's times okay. like, you know, we don't have that luxury. We don't have that. You don't have that. Yeah. And then like, you know, sometimes some people might ask for a lot and it's, mm -hmm. can you pivot and still make it look, you know, how you want it to. Okay. I think that's important to be able to pivot on, you know, in the moment and try to figure things out. Cause like, you know, we can like same scene, like 10 different ways and it's still look great. Mm -hmm. We're using huge lights, smaller lights, just the sun, just some bounces. I mean. To be able to pivot as a DP and be able to realize, you know, what your crew can do in a certain amount of time is important. Definitely. Um, something that I want to ask too, and I, I mean, I've had more experience with this as I've been able to work on bigger sets and work on uh, more elaborate projects. But for a lot of DPs coming up, they don't get the luxury of having a gaffer on scouts, for example, or coming up with gear lists and stuff like that. So could you kind of walk us through the process of what it looks like in pre-production working with a DP as a gaffer? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I'm not crazy about building gear list before the scout. <laughs> mm. No, definitely not. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird, but that's, that's what we get into a lot. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, the DP we usually have his mind wrapped around the kind of what he, what, what he wants to use. And, uh, I'll, f you know, I'll start putting the gear list together. Like, cause you know, I'm given like, I want to use these lights and this kind of dolly. And then we, uh, we fill that out, betting like, oh, we we'll need chimeras and, you know, we need these kind of stands. We need a crank stand for this light and so on and so on. Uh, but I think the scouts are so important, to, especially for the gaffer and the key grip to be on. I've been on so many shoots where like I, the gaffer hasn't been invited to. And like, you're just like behind the whole day. You're like not exactly sure what to do in the day of the shoot. And like, you know, just being able to be there on the scout know, you know, which way the sun's coming in, uh, where we're going to load in from, where our staging is going to be, where I'm going to run power from. Oh, we can't run power here because there's a, you know, there's nothing, there's no outlet. So we have to get a generator and we can't have the generator on this side of the house because we'll be doing interviews on this side. So we have to run another way here. So we have, you know, just knowing all those things so that I can be prepared to give you the best of me that day and know that uh -huh. anything you need or want will be taken care of. So scouts are so important, especially when you have your two keys there and gear list 
are, yeah, they're, they're just funky because, you know, you're going back. Yeah. You, the DP and the gaffer usually make them up. It'll be like a wish list. Yeah. You send them to the producer. They send them to the journalist. They give them a number. And then sometimes it's like, hey, guys, this is uh, this is over our budget. And we're like, hey, why don't you tell me what the budget was? And I work with <laughs> my budget. And I won't get all these crazy lights. <laughs> yeah. So, That's so funny. It's still funky, though. Um, yeah, going with the keys as well is like, I want to talk about the hiring process um, with your crew as well, because as a gaffer, as a key grip, similar to a DP, you hold a leadership position on set and you have people underneath you that look up to you for direction and, um, you know, just being told what to do at a particular time. Um, what is the hiring process? Like when you're hiring electrics or grips or something, like do you hire people just based on like their specific skill set and like what is needed on that day like what does that look like because i know there's certain if i need a, a grip a, a, not a grip if i need a fisher dolly grip for example you're not just going to hire a very green grip to be able you need someone that's seasoned what? um so like what does that process for hiring look like uh you know um it all depends on the job um we're going to try to we're always going to have guys who uh will do the best job for that particular job or you know on that day. I remember the other day I was talking to a producer and he wanted to hire a certain person. Maybe we were flying a 20 by on a football field. And I'm like, you know, I, I love working with that guy. He's really great, but I don't know if he has the experience to be able to fly a 20 by safely in a field over like big name. That's big. Yeah. Especially some, you know, who's like, you know, big name talent. Like, I'm, you know, I'll be afraid if something could happen. So I would rather go with this guy. So it's about, you know, getting the right person for the job. Uh, luckily in Philly, we have so many awesome technicians okay. that a lot of us can kind of like hop back and forth and do, you know, I, I can, I can make gaff, I can be an electric, I can be a best grip. I can be, you know, we can hop around and a lot of other guys are like that too. So I know I can yeah. go to a whole bunch of guys. I can pick six random guys and they can all hop in whatever position and be cool with it. No ego because, hey, we're all working. Definitely. Yeah, I love that about Philly people. Um, when I was deciding, when I moved out of my parents' house, I was deciding between New York and Philly. And I did, you know, I just decided to come here. Watch it. Because, um, what? Yeah, you, you did. You got me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love the people here in Philly so much more. Like everyone has less. It's, I feel like New York is like... Uh, fend for yourself type of mentality. Like you don't look out for others in a way. Um, maybe it's changing a little bit, but like Philly, I feel is so much more of a community-based like environment. Um, like, do you feel the same way? I do. I mean, I feel like, you know, we're smaller, like, you know, almost all yeah. the, you know, all the genie guys, uh -huh. probably name them all. And um, yeah, we're community-based. We're like, you know, everyone's kind of pretty tight with each other. We see each other all the time on the street, you know? So it's like, these are guys you work with all the time. And they're, we tend to look out for each other. Yeah. Um, going off of crew as well, I want to talk about like the leadership side of it because there's certain people that are kind of like born leaders, like they have that natural ability. Some people you got to kind of learn how to be a leader a little bit. And as a gaffer, as a key grip, you do have to be a leader in a way. Yeah. How was, how was that for you? Like, what does being a leader mean to you? And like, how did you learn to become uh, a leader in your position? I, uh, I tried to emulate what I saw and uh, tried not to do some of the things that I saw. I, uh, you know, for a long time, I, I, I 
didn't want to be called the gaffer, even if I was uh, the lead on the job. I don't know, just because there's so many guys who are so great around me. But, you know, I've noticed that I, at least the way I try to do it, I try to be just respectful and really thankful of all the guys I'm working with. And just try to be nice to people on set. You get so much more, you know, a better result out of anybody. I think that my answer to question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, 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 I feel the same way. I feel like it just, you lead with kindness. You lead with like gratitude and thankfulness for everybody being there. Um, and it just goes such a long way. You just want people to be happy on set. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think always uh, having a plan going in with plan yeah. of what you want to do that also helps, uh, you know, brings down the stress level, especially for me. And know whenever I go into jobs where I'm not as, um, set on what I want to do, it makes makes it a little harder for me to think straight. But, you know, luckily being a good leader is also you know, choosing the right people to be with you on the job so that, you know, you know, you can count on them. Uh, I think being a leader is also choosing those people and being able to count on them, knowing that they'll have your back with whatever's going on. Definitely. Maybe this is a bit of a weird question, but have you ever had any experiences with someone, whether it's a grip or an electric or even like key grip guy from whoever that isn't fitting the vibe of like the whole crew, like, Maybe he's a little arrogant. Maybe he's a little like aggressive. Like, how do you, how do you kind of deal with that type of personality? I'm going to say, I never, I don't think I ever felt like I had to pull somebody aside and be like, Hey, chill uh -huh. or anything like that. Um, people kind of get, tend to be weeded out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really, it's like, if you don't have a good attitude and if you're, you know, being a bit of an ass and set, like, I'm not going to want to work with you. Yeah. Those people are like, you're not going to get callbacks. Dude. I feel like as a freelancer, I treat, I try to treat every job as my last. A hundred percent. Cause it's like, can you imagine like I give shit to like a client on set or as a producer, they're not going to want me on their next set. Mm -hmm. That could be, you know, lots of money that I need to pay my mortgage and buy things for my kids. Like, yeah. So I don't know. No, I, I feel the same way. Like from my perspective, there's so many people that could shoot as a DP beautifully, like they can make images look amazing. There's so many people that can do that. But if you're not a good human being, that's like respectful, kind, courteous on set, nobody cares about how good you can, they could always find someone else. You have to be a good person. Like that, that is truly what it takes. Yeah. You know, it's funny too. I think we're coming into, cause you hear these horror stories of like the old days, how guys were just like, yeah. and like, you know, they were like the, the DP or the gaffer on set for however long you're like, how did those people like survive this long? Cause like, I don't think that happens now. It's a very, no. if somebody's like a tyrant on set and like people work for that person. I haven't really experienced that very often. Did you, when you were coming up, like, have you noticed a shift in personalities? Oh yeah. There was way more attitudes on set like that, like big attitudes that you don't mm. much anymore. No, that's interesting. I can't imagine, like, have you seen the new movie Babylon? that just came out no so it's based in 1920s 1920 i don't know something like that and it's based in hollywood back then and there's certain scenes that the ad the director produced they're screaming at people like if this is an accurate depiction of what film was like back then it's oh my goodness <laughs> it was crazy like screaming, cursing at people. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. I can't imagine a set being like that now. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I don't know. Like now people just get into fights or like, 
how, if that would happen, that couldn't happen now. Like how people were just scared for their jobs back then. I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know how. Hmm? Sorry, I used to think now that like we communicate so much more. Yeah. Yes. Somebody does some shitty like Christian Bale and that whatever um that movie. Uh-huh. It was all over the internet. We know yeah. now that he's an asshole. <laughs> so like if anybody acts like that, people will put you in bonus right away. Yeah. When, I wonder if that's what I wonder if that's what it is. People are just more scared to be publicly outed in a way. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, just, um, yeah. That kind of brings me to my next topic though, social media or lack thereof for you. Yeah. You do not have any. <laughs> what is the reason for that? Um I, I mean, I don't blame you. I wish I didn't, but why? No, but I mean, you're doing a great thing with social media. I love, you know, your YouTube and stuff you're doing. The podcast is so cool. Thank you. But um, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I always spend way too much time on it. I, hmm. I already have so much else going on. I don't need to waste more time on certain things, which I'm sure will probably help me in a certain way. I have hmm. myself. But luckily, I've been... I think I get most of my work from word of mouth, luckily. People, I'm so lucky and humbled to realize that people want to work with me and just yeah. the mouth and like, that's where I get most of my calls and it's been working so far. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's truly one of the most amazing things that I've seen is that people would know social media and for you, like the fact that you're so busy and you don't have to like advertise yourself like that is such an amazing thing. It's truly so rare. Like I, I don't ever see that. And I've said this to you before, like I've talked to so many producers and DPs before. No one has said anything negative about you. Everyone speaks so highly of you that just, yeah, word of mouth. It's just amazing what you have done in this, in this industry here, especially in the Philly market. Like people love working with you, man. Like you really, really do amazing things. It's amazing to hear. Yeah. Um, do you think that, hmm, I, I'm still so, have you seen Gramless Pedro on Instagram? You know about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so funny, dude. There's some classic photos on there of you. Yeah. Just, just this week, uh, some more things were added to it. I saw. Yeah. I think you have a new profile picture. The one of, uh, you were, what were you, what were you, your head was through a diffusion or something? Yeah. We had this, uh, busted, uh, two, uh, opal frame and I, uh, decided to look through it during. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. But, um, I want to kind of shift a little bit towards relationships a little bit. Cause, um, similar to the social media thing, like, yeah, you're busy because of word of mouth and the relationships that you have. How did you start building these relationships with people and like how, how important are relationships to you? Like working with producers and DPs and even, I mean, we could even navigate a little bit later towards your, your family life because that's something I want to talk about as well. Right, yeah. Um, you know, I, when I started, I guess, what was it? There was Facebook, maybe, I don't know. But like, I, I, I saw it as in that, like, you know, I had to be, I had to prove myself on set every day, especially with new people. Cause I want them to see like, Hey, this what this guy can do and I would love to have him on set every time and that's how I build my relationships. You know, um try to keep in contact with the people you want to work with and you like working with. But uh, I think it's just like proving yourself every time on set as an indispensable person. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I saw I uh they you know like working with the guys with my crew 
people that I work with, you know, like we are always bouncing work back from each to each other. And like, you know, Hey, I can't take something to always you know, call me. I'll call them. But it's just, I can just building relationships trying to be being a good person, being a um, fun person to work with and doing the best job you can. That's how I build my relationships, I guess. Um, going, working with people that are maybe around your age or in the similar lifestyles you that that's married, that have kids, how important is kind of having a relationship with them on the set because you get to kind of experience something similar, which is interesting. You're working a weird job that has very bizarre hours. You're working long hours and maybe inconsistent days, but you're all sharing a consistent theme of you're married, you have kids. That's not easy to do. And I, I, I can't imagine that. How does, how important is that to have people around you that are kind of in that position as well? Yeah. Like, like your peers, the people who are going through yeah. things you are, it's, it's so important because, you know, we all understand that, uh, you know, our jobs are very important to us, but our families are super important to us. You know, and they, they take priority a lot of times. So remember that I've listened to the podcast with Matt and how, um, I that day on the job we were on thing, Lee, Matt and I, we all had our kids were playing a sport and Lee and I, we just weren't going to get home to make it. And I remember, uh, Matt could, and we're like, dude, go get it. And having yeah. you know, deal with people like that, that are like, you know, just, with your buddies that, you know, are going through the same things you are, then we all understand that our jobs are important, but we are away a lot. So whenever we can be home or be present with our families, it's also important to us. So we're trying to at least help each other out and do those kind of things. Um, I'll, uh, whatever the name, the moniker is, um, we're, we're set daddies. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Set daddies. <laughs> uh, on the last job, it was uh, four set daddies. And we had um, uh, uh, Sean Kirby, our DP, uh -huh. amazing. Uh, John Applebaum, great producer. And um, Mike Pfeiffer, uh, 1440s uh, director. We, you know, before and after we went to set, before we, got to, before we went to set and afterwards, we were, you know, calling our families and checking up on them. And we all understood that that's something, you know, we need to do, even though we're out here, you know, getting to relax and have fun, you know, we all understand that we're, we have families to deal with, we have a lot going on. Mm -hmm. on. Definitely. Um, something that I've been kind of uh, balancing or trying to figure out more is now that I'm engaged, um, and not that it really changed too much because I've been with my fiance for eight years now, um, but it's like, we'll have a, we'll have a date planned on Friday or something and we'll we'll put it in the calendar and then I get an email it's this big job that comes up and it's on that date and I'm like I don't want to have to cancel on her but I don't want to miss this job I know like mm -hmm. that's one of the hardest it's it's truly one of the hardest things but it's I'm so fortunate fortunate to have such a supportive partner but I don't want to be that person that just always bails because of work yeah how do you how do you pick and choose what you want to do um, that's one of the things, yeah, you know, with a partner, your partner, you have to like talk about and really realize that like, they have to be okay knowing that like, this is your life, mm -hmm. it's going to happen, but you as the partner, you have to make that up <laughs> and yeah. when you can, and it's hard uh, to balance those things. Uh, my wife, luckily she, she understands this because, you know, she was in the production business. She was a producer for a long time. So she knows what, what my schedules look like and what my days are and 
she knows that I take very random jobs. Like I can have nothing to do for the rest of the week. And then I got a call tonight at 12K and I fill in for this guy tomorrow morning. I'm like, yeah, because I'm free. And my wife's usually okay with that. She understands because that's the way we make money. It's the way it is. Yeah. Thanks. When, uh, when you had your, when you had your kid, how do you think you've changed as a, as a man or as a human being? Cause I, I've talked to many people about that. Um, and I'm very curious because, um, I'm not a dad, but maybe one day it will be soon. Yes. I'm just curious about how you, how you changed as a person. Um, I like to get deep sometimes. Yeah. No, no. It's, you know, you, uh, you have this little person now that, uh, you kind of like owe everything to like you you have to mm. i don't know they become so important it, it's it's a it's it's amazing how um all your th- most of your thoughts become about them and making sure they're okay and they have what they need uh being a father has been one of the most amazing things that i ever done i'm so proud of my children and uh i so excited to watch him grow and I am so excited like this when they asked me about like what I did today you have a little person that's actually interested I'm like you don't know what you did and I try to explain to him all the weird things that we do <laughs> yeah. it's very how old are they my boy is nine yes or nine and my daughter's yeah. six do they do they have it like do they understand what you do do they have any interest in in this at all like oh, they I think they have a better understanding than most people. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. It's funny we talked about this. How like sometimes like people ask me what I do. I'm like, oh, I set up, set up lights. I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm looking. laughs> That's funny. And yeah, they have a little understanding. My son asked me like, hey, where were you? What were you doing? Who were you interviewing? Okay. Stuff like that. And it's kind of fun letting him know. And I show him pictures of the cool stuff we get to do. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to be a dad. I'm really excited for that day to happen. I could wait, obviously. Like, I'm going to wait. I'm not ready yet. Um, but I, I I don't know. I I feel like I, uh, like a calling of my life is, or one of them is to be a dad. That's cool. I'm really excited for that. And being around you, Matt, Lee, so many other people that are dads and husbands truly have just, like, inspired me so much. And I, I, I try to ask a lot of these deep questions often because... You guys are the people that I really get to get experience from, and I get to experience so many different things—just work, life—and um, your guys' knowledge has really impacted me over this past like year and a half, two years. Um, and I really, I just am super thankful for all of the advice and everything that you've you've been able to provide. Oh, kind of just comes out of us, right? It's just yeah, <laughs> we're on set, yeah, like. These little tidbits, Charlie. That's funny. That's a, that's a great thing about you know having being on set with other dads. It was like you know we kind of just like just talking to each other. It's kind of our uh, I don't know our circle time or something. That I don't know a lot of dudes don't have like friends anymore. Sometimes kind of you know uh, his best friends to hang out. So it's yeah. awesome getting to hang out with people who are your friends on set. And then you talk about you know what's going on in your life and you know uh, my kid is sleeping. You know I was like oh dude you should try this. You know it's kind of like oh, yeah. able to, just to get that. That's, that's, I love that. Um, do you, where you are in your life now, do you have like different mentors now? Like, do you have people that are kind of like, like above here that you kind of look up to in a certain way? Like, do you have people that you talk to? Like, maybe it's even Matt Lee, all of those people that you consider like maybe mentor type figures, but, um, do you have any now that you also kind of look up to? 
you know, I mean, I tend to look up to uh, some of my friends that I work with because, you know, we're all doing different things and uh, we're all constantly learning uh, and just like, you know, experiencing different, uh, what's cool about G&E guys, again, it's like, you know, you talk about DP, you kind of don't get to hang out with other DPs and see their work. I get to hang out with other uh, G&E guys and see their work sometimes. And, you know, if, if my buddy's a gaffer, he'll come with a different perspective than I would. So it's kind of, I, I, I feel like I'm into it. Of course, I'm always, you know, looking at guys like Deacons and other yes. of the author and see what, what they're doing <laughs> in tutorials, stuff like that. But um, it's also I'm just bouncing ideas back and forth between your friends now. That's awesome. Yeah. Where do you, uh, where do you see your career kind of going? Like, where do you want it to potentially go? Like, I know you're doing a lot of commercials, you're doing some other stuff, but do you see yourself doing a movie or a TV show at all? I'm not. I, I've worked on some long form stuff before, and uh, now that I have a family, I don't want to actually do those where I'm taking away mm -hmm. a long time. Because so if you do a movie, like you know, you might start out at like you call it five a.m. Monday, you're doing twelve, fourteen hours of packing the truck or whatever. It depends if you get a move in there, yeah. and then by the end of the week, your call is like eleven a.m. noon, and like you know, you're calling even later. These takes your life away, and right now I can't do that. I like being uh, with my family. Uh, Sometimes I used to get jobs where it's just like, you know, talking head, simple. We light it nicely and I'm back home by five, six. Yeah. Go hit the gym afterwards. Nice. You went to the gym? I, didn't, I don't even think I knew that. Uh, you, I'm sorry. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's right. You yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, how was uh, that? Yeah, how is that? You like it still? I know you've been doing it for a while, right? I do. I, I like it a lot. I've, I've been doing martial arts since I was a little kid. And mm. something that I get to me, I need to always do. Mm. On that topic, do you think it's important for your kids to learn martial arts? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I think everybody should learn martial arts. Yeah. It's just a great way. I mean, you could, whatever, whatever you want to pick, I think they're all great way for them to exercise, build comp. Definitely. Um, you know, that's not to be anything too aggressive or, you know, like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is one of the, I want to say harder, but it's just like, you know, you're really testing yourself in that one. But there's uh, kinds. I think everyone should do something like that. Uh, sports are great in general, um, but yeah. more shorts provided something a little bit different. It's more, um, you know, more personal. And yeah, I feel like it's more interactive because I just lift weights all day. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> I, I, I would love to do that. Like, I, uh, I'm the kind of guy who can't just, you know, do push-ups or sit-ups and lift weights. It, my mind won't let me do it. Yeah. I need to have somebody trying to choke me. Mm, interesting. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> oh man. Um, I got two more questions for you. The first one is, um, do you have any advice for people that are coming up that are looking to get into the G and E world? Like how do you, how would you best give someone advice to kind of get into that field with these people? Mm. I always remember when I was a PA, uh, probably wasn't the best PA, but, <laughs> but I remember I always gravitated to the G and E department. And I would ask them if they need any help. Mm. And I would be there like- As a PA? As a PA. Like, hey, mm. you know, I see somebody walking with a combo and a sandbag, like, hey, can I help you with that? You know, they'll say, no, I mean, that's fine. Then I'll try again. You know, until like I was uh, wafting the- <laughs> Hayes machine wafting. <laughs> like until I got there, like I was always just ask, ask the help, try to gravitate to them, go to your local grip house if there's one around you. See if they need any yeah. help, because then you can like get your hands on the gear and you'll start meeting, you know, uh, 
the grips, gaffers, the electrics, key gears that come in. Um, I think another really important thing is to do jobs on your own where like you can be the key grip, the best stuff like that. Like sometimes it's like those indies where you're not getting paid, but you learn so much. You might learn yeah. things wrong, but you'll learn and you'll get experience. Definitely great advice. And my last question is, oh man, I forget what age you were, but um, you're sitting across the table from that younger version where you're still bussing tables and you're kind of, maybe maybe you, uh, you, you left school, you went to the film program now and you're sitting across from where you are to this day. You're now a husband, you're a father. What kind of advice would you give that younger version of you as you're about to uh, embark on this journey? Then tell myself not to, not to be as shy, not to be as afraid, kind of like put yourself out there, take some more risks. It's important to take risks, especially when you're young, because you, you'll be able to bounce back. Right. It's, uh, it's not a big deal to, to fail. Learning to fail is an important thing. So take risk, learn to fail, be okay with failing and, and taking that experience that you got from that. I mean, learn way more from failing than you do from winning. Is that what it is? More that? I think so. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what I'll... All right. Amazing. Well, that's all I got, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, yeah, I hope, hopefully you enjoyed it. I, I love talking to you, man. Thank you so much. Um, normally at this point I ask, where can people find you? But nobody can find you. <laughs> but at Gramless Pedro on Instagram, if everyone's wondering, it is a fan page of this man here. Um, but if you want, I could link your email in the description for people that maybe want to hire you. Sure. Check out the email. Um, Dude, I like the last video you did where you uh, had the low angle looking up between like the plants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh cool. I love it. I love the way. Uh, thanks. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. that? Uh, what was it? What was the question? Where's on that? Uh, three, two. Three, two. Nice. I like that. It was full, full sensor on the Sony Venice. Shooting a yeah. talking head on a Sony Venice for YouTube. It looks so nice. And like the skin tone looks so nice. And it's, it's creamy sense. Yeah. Oh, Thank you. Very good job on that. Oh man. Thanks. I was so bored. I didn't know what to do. And then I just, that video was just me ranting. And I was like, I'm just going to sit in between all of my plants and it's going to be great. <laughs> no, but I love that. That was uh, really cheesy. That was nice. Thank you. Well, um, Thank you again for joining us, Pedro. Um, really appreciate it. Um, but that's it for today, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. I will see you next time. Peace out. Musicbed has been my favorite resource for finding music for all of my videos. And now with my podcast, it has been my favorite place to find my intro and outro music. With over 40,000 curated songs available for licensing for any podcast, the music that they have on their roster will help elevate your story and whatever you're trying to share on your podcast. Finding music is also extremely easy with their browse and search tools. Use anything from genre mood to advanced filters like BPM and key. Playlists from your favorite creatives are also an amazing tool. Some of my favorite playlists include chill, hip hop, ambient, cinematic. These are just a few examples of some of the playlists that you can find. And if you still need help finding what you need, Musicbed's team can help you with their complimentary song searches. Hear the difference for yourself and sign up for a free account. Use the code CARLO at checkout and receive one month free when you purchase a podcast subscription. Thank you, Musicbed. So that's all we got for you today. Thanks again for listening to the show. Hopefully you found it beneficial and entertaining. 
I'd like to encourage you all to share this episode with a friend and leave a review on whatever platform you're using. And as always, thanks again. See you next time.